0: the number on the screen whether you give online or whether you're giving here today let's just pray over our offering father we thank you today lord for the joy of giving lord just as extension of our worship lord we give and as we give father we give with faith we give with expectation lord we're believing you to do incredible things for this gift lord both in the kingdom of god but also in the life of the giver we thank you father amen amen i have the privilege of introducing to you this morning, our speaker. Many of you uh, may be familiar with him or know him. Uh, some of you may, like, uh, like us, have relationships that go back many, many years uh, with Dr. Brian. He um, and I s- had an opportunity to serve in ministry a number of years ago, side by side, pastoral ministry. Uh, we've, uh, he actually led the first small group that Kelly and I were a part of when we were newly married. And so our history goes way back. For those that haven't had an opportunity to spend time with him. Uh, pastor Bill, man of many titles. Pastor Bill is, uh, is a seasoned pastor, having pastored here and in Delaware. Um, he is, as you will find out in a few moments, a gifted teacher, a love for the nations and ministry, both local ministry and international ministry. Currently, uh, he serves as the, as the dean of Vanguard Ministry and uh, teacher there also, so you may have had a privilege of sitting under his teaching Uh, Either way, would you welcome Dr. Bill Breon as he comes?
1: Uh, Hallelujah. Uh, Is that hallelujah still going up and still rising? It doesn't stop because somebody's going to preach, and we worship in song, we worship in giving, and we worship by receiving the word. And so God's going to do some incredible things, I believe it he was really moving in the first service and i think there's an expectation of healing in the second service so good morning river bend good morning online and uh, it was a joy to start ministry with uh, <clears throat> brent lucy of gosh 30 years ago or something and uh, i was called out of the business world worked for general motors and went to virginia wesley university got a degree in management And uh, so we started together in ministry under Bobby, and and I didn't know exactly what pastors did, and because Brent Lucy graduated from ORU, I knew he'd been in the prayer tower. See, I I knew he'd been around some people, and so I looked up to him, and I'd come over to him, he'd be in the office, and I'd say, what are we supposed to do now? He goes, just look busy. (laughs) And... uh, We kind of figured it out as we went, and I'm so glad that you have a pastor here. I love Bobby. Uh, You're in a good place. I've been all over the world, 50 trips. I love churches. I love all kinds of churches, but Bobby is an exceptional pastor. I was there at his 50th, and one of his gifts is just empowering others. He could do it himself, but he sees others who maybe have rough edges. I had a few bumps on me, and... And I couldn't believe it. He was seeing something in me to, to, to leave a career with General Motors and start out on this journey of faith 30 years ago. And I'm so grateful that I did that. I'm so grateful for Bobby. So it's an honor for me to be here. Now, I want to make a declaration with you and jump right into the Word because God is going to do something special. But this book right here, this book is ETERNAL. It's the written Word, the spoken Word, the living Word. It's the Word of God, inspired by God, given by God. So that today, in these last days, because Jesus is coming soon, and we need to be ready and prepared, but this Word can help us, encourage us, inspire us to be overcomers. And so I want you to make this declaration with me. Just three simple points. Ready? I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can do what it says I can do. I open, my heart to his word. I open my heart to his word. If God didn't want us to do his word, why would he give it? He said, be doers, not just hearers. Amen? Amen. So today we're gonna learn something I think that can help us. The sermon title today, by the way, if you have a sermon note guy, would you just wave them at me? I love these. I've been doing this for years. And if you don't have one, maybe get closer to your neighbor and you can look online. Or I think they have some. But this sermon, though, guy, the title is Elijah's Greatest Victory. How many people like victory? Yeah. Everybody likes victory. But let me tell you, in every football game, in every live, in every contest, there are highs and lows. So in a moment, I'm going to share with you the low of Elijah's life. But don't get discouraged because there's a good end. But we just got to go through together. Is that all right? So we got to go through it. And Elijah's greatest victory, what was it? Well, let's think of some of Elijah's great victories. How about this? Look at me for a moment. How about this? He went to heaven without dying. I, I hope I'm around for the rapture. I would love to go that way, twinkling of an eye. Lord, pop, hey, how'd I get up here? I'd love to go that way. But he went, he was raptured, he was gone. How about this, he called fire from heaven. Uh, That's pretty good, I've never been able to do that. Bobby didn't have a class on how to call fire from heaven. (laughs) He did other things like multiplied jars and, oh, oh, get this, listen, he raised a widow's son from the dead. I haven't done that yet. I haven't seen that. I know it happens in the world, but I haven't seen it yet for me. He did a lot of things. Did you know that he, in the New Testament, because he hadn't died, was on Mount Tabor, and transfiguration took place. Jesus just opened up his flesh, and the divinity in him shone forth, and guess who was there with God and everybody else? Elijah. Elijah. Elijah's coming back. Listen, I want you to know that he was, is one of the greatest prophets and man of God in the Word. But this great man of God, I want you to hear this. The greatest victory, I believe this with all my heart, was when he gave up on living. He was depressed, defeated, discouraged. He couldn't sing a hallelujah. And he wanted to die. He wanted to commit suicide. Now, this is a heavy topic, but I want you to know that in the wake of COVID-19, the pandemic caused so many people to have mental health issues. And in the church, there are people that struggle, but they're afraid to admit it because they'll be seen as not being spiritual enough. Listen, you might come here, and I love what Pastor Crystal said. Listen, you might not be able to sing hallelujah. You might not be able to sing at all, but at least you're here and somebody else can sing for you. Like Aaron and her, they took Moses' arms and lifted them up when he got tired. There are times that I get tired and weary, and maybe you too. It's going to happen. Listen, in life, there are going to be seasons. There are going to be seasons in life that maybe you'll get discouraged. So this is for you. But it's not just for you. It's also for your neighbors because guess what? You know somebody that's struggling. I guarantee it. In your family? Somewhere. And we want to prepare you, the church to be the church, to not be like Job's friends. What did Job's friends do? When Job went through his stuff, Job's friends tried to fix his theology instead of loving. That doesn't do anybody any good. You're sitting there going through a struggle and you want somebody to come up to you and say, why aren't you singing? Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you praising? That, that's not ministry. What is that? That's condemnation. So we want to be a church that's loving. Should we sing and dance? Yes. I have a big Baptist background, and I'm getting delivered from my Baptist knee. It, you know, it's taking time, but you know, we should, we should be able to praise God. We should be able to do that. But if somebody just isn't there, don't judge them. Don't be like Job's friends. At least they're here. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here. Go ahead, say it. I'm glad. I'm glad you're here. The greatest victory of Elijah wasn't all those miracles. It wasn't raising the dead and all that. It was that he was healed. It's a house of healing. Online, I'm I'm trusting that many of you, one in five people right now, are struggling with some form of discouragement or depression. One in five. That means in a group this size, there could be 20 or 30 people. I don't say that to point you out. I say it because you're loved, God sees you, and this is a place of healing. You're here for a right moment, for a right time. I've walked this valley. My bride, Brenda, has walked this valley. My son's with me today, and he's walked through this valley when we lost mom. So I want you to know you're in a place of healing. Do this for me. Take your hand. Put it over your heart. Now just open your heart. You just pray for a moment. Just say, Lord, open my heart. Just go ahead. Lord, open my heart. Open my mind. Heal me today. Jesus' holy name. Amen. Take your sermon note, guide and turn it to the back, and I just want to read just a little bit to get us started to give us a a faith context. It's 1 Kings 19, Now, let me say this. I'm going to tell you a story to launch into the sermon, and then we'll read this. Uh, I got my training mostly through Bobby. He had classes and equipping, and I took him with Brent, and we learned how to preach in his class and do all kinds of things and church growth and and uh, but one thing I never got in his class was something that happened to me in Delaware. I never had a class to prepare me how to handle a naked man running up and down the church. Oh, that got your attention. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think that's an anointing I carry for it. It's never happened again. Praise God. <laughs> But I was thinking when I saw this guy that was being held in a room that was naked because we had this magnificent service on the blood of Jesus and everything, you know, was seamless. It was wonderful. And he had this reaction. He ran out of the, of the sanctuary right out in the narthex. He threw up everywhere. And so they went to try and help him. And he was taking his clothes off, running up and down outside of the sanctuary. And, and so they put him into a room. And so we're done greeting everybody. And I'm thinking, okay, I can go home now and and rest. And they knocked on my door. I was in my study and said, Pastor, you've got to come over here. There's a problem. I go, oh my goodness, what is it? And he goes, well, there's a man that needs a little help. He's a, and I trained everybody to say if there's extra need or extra help, just call them EGRs, extra grace required. And he's an EGR. So, okay, well, I've been an EGR before. So I said, well, what is he doing? He goes, well, he's in this room. So I took somebody with me, biblical, And his name is Dr. Mark. And Dr. Mark, if you're online, I want to thank you for your ministry all these years. And Dr. Mark was a Columbia graduate uh, with a doctorate in psychology. But get this, he was also spirit-led. Now, what a combination. Come on. How would you like to go to him for counseling? He could shun die you and help you all together. He was something. Now, he went in the room with me. We both stood there like this. Because there was a naked man in this room. And I'm like, I, I seen this in the heard about it. You know, Jesus, you know, the naked man running around the cemetery. But I said, what are you doing? Bobby, you did not equip me for this. And I didn't know what to do. And uh, we began to pray and do all that. And, and there, was some, there was some help. I could see it. Taking authority. I believe in all that. You know, Jesus, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. But it wasn't very long that I said, there's something else going on here. And I looked at Doctor Mark. I said, "Brother, what?" There's something else. And he looked at me, kind of grinning, like you, fi- you finally got that. And I go, "Okay." Well, we finally got him clothed in his right mind, delivered him home, got him to, to follow up with Doctor Mark. And Doctor Mark, after a period of about six months, the guy returned. He got his Ph.D. He was living a normal life, coming to church without having all those reactions. I said, Dr. Mark, what was it? He goes, well, he had a, a mental health issue called Asperger's. And I said, oh, okay. And he was able to help him, pray for him, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, along with clinical treatment. How many people, it's okay to know. I want to I just take some shame away before we read this. Listen, <sighs> we have organs, and if we have an organ weakness and get help for it, it doesn't make us bad. I've had stints put in my heart. I'm not bad. I didn't, I'm getting older and I ate too much, uh, you know, biscuits and gravy, all right? I, I just admit it. Too much bacon. doesn't make me bad. You can have liver issues. doesn't make you bad. Why is it that when somebody has a brain, which is an organ, a brain condition, all of a sudden, oh, there's something wrong with them? Why is it that there's such a stigma? Why? Shouldn't the church be open to help everybody? Shouldn't we be loving to everybody and not see somebody and recoil with, with like, oh, but you might, you know, get on me or something? And so I want to say that Elijah was in a desperate place. He's ready to give up. And he found help, I want you to hear this, through a five-step process that God designed just for him. Now, the steps in this process could take several weeks or months, I don't know, but I've used this process. God gave it to me when I was like, Lord, there are all these people. I, I noticed that there was a counseling gift in that God seemed to give me. And uh, I don't necessarily walk prophetically all the time like Bobby and others, but I get words of wisdom and words of knowledge during counseling. And people would come up to me. I wouldn't even ask for it. I went to a, a Barnett, Pastor's Barnett conference out in Arizona, and a guy came up, sat right down. There were hundreds of people. And he said, look, I'm a youth pastor, and I committed adultery. What do I do? That happened all the time. In the Navy, people I don't even know just come up and start talking. They start sharing everything. I'm like, Lord, do I have a sign on me? What is that? (laughs) And so God gave me this. It's for the body of Christ. It's his mental health wellness program. Now, if you're struggling with depression, you're in the sound of my voice, you follow these five steps because they're for you, because they brought healing and deliverance and freedom to Elijah. If you are being called to help others, maybe this will be your ministry. Write this down, take notes, think about it because God wants this to go on. I've shared this with nurses and a doctor, and every time I've shared, they all said the same thing. That's amazing. That's amazing. And then they want to give you credit. And I look and go, no, hang on. I didn't write 1 Kings 19. That's God. I said, this is God's plan for healing. How many people know God loves to heal? He's a healer. And the enemy wants to seek to steal, kill, rob, and destroy and to discourage you. And we're living in a time where discouragement and news looks bleak. But I want you to know, lift up your head. Our redemption draws nigh. And I want to go out of here in victory. How about you? Look at your neighbor and say victory. Just say, just say victory. Victory. And so in 1 Kings 19, let's, let's begin this journey that we're going to take together. It says this. When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done. That tattletale, that wimp telling on Elijah. Including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal, 450 of them. So Jezebel sent the message to Elijah, may the gods gods, strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I've not killed you, just as you kill them. Elijah was full of faith. (laughs) Elijah spoke in tongues. What was Elijah? If he could do all those things be at the Mount of Transfiguration, don't you think that us mere mortals might sometimes suffer with a little anxiety? Can we be honest today? Can we take down the masks and just let the word of God begin to speak to our hearts? It says this, he was afraid, he fled, he ran. He went to Beersheba, a town of Judah, and he left his servant. That's a first step of major depression. It's a sign. When you begin to isolate yourself, don't go to church anymore. Don't call people. Leave your friends. Just stay home. See, that's isolation. And listen to me. Listen to me. This is a house of praise. Every place where Jesus is lifted up, whether it's a Baptist church, a Methodist church, whatever. if Jesus is lifted up, it could be hymns. If Jesus is lifted up, there's salvation in that place. That's a healing place. And we need to know that. That the enemy wants to keep us away from. When we had COVID nineteen, I don't know how many people got COVID. I got COVID nineteen. How many people joined? Yeah, there's several. I remember sitting. Listen, this is for you online. I'm not going to condemn you, but listen, I I was sitting in my chair and we were, you know, uh, watching things online. We we were, you know, just sick. And I loved it online because I could go to the refrigerator, get out some beanie weenies, (laughs) you know, some chips and some dips. And watch the preaching. And I want you to know something. That was okay. But some people maybe still do that. If you, if you can't come, I get that. At least, at least turn online. But listen, there is no place like being in God's place. Because as praise is lifted up, the Spirit of God comes. And when the Spirit of God comes and the Word comes, there's healing. And in a little bit, God's going to touch some people. And you might not get that experience just going to the refrigerator. If you're watching online, listen, I want you to right now. Stay in the chair. Don't move. Okay? Can you do that? We might have to turn around and pray for them. Shun die them. So anyway, I want you to see that that Elijah now is in this alone place, and it says he traveled all day and he sat under a solitary broom tree and he prayed that he might that he might die. What's the broom tree? That has a lot of spiritual significance in the Old Testament that you probably wouldn't realize. The broom tree is a solitary place of discouragement and depression. Job referred to it in Job 30, verse 3 and 4 as a place of ruin. The psalmist describes it as a place of mourning. And in Genesis, a lady, a woman was just exiled with her son, and she found a broom tree to have her son die. The broom tree is a place of sorrow, despair, discouragement. Now, we don't have those here. But I want you to know that you probably have your own broom tree. Maybe your broom tree has been watching YouTube. Maybe your broom tree is taking a little bit too much alcohol and and maybe depending on that to take care of your needs and your pain. Maybe your broom tree is porn. Maybe your broom tree is gaming. Did you know that right now in the younger generation, this is one of the biggest things, gaming and because when you go and you're in the meta world, guess what? You can be somebody else. You can be an avatar. You can do all this stuff. You can be a superhero and not be anything like who you are. It's, it's a fantasy. It's a getaway. By the way, just, just I want to challenge somebody in here. I did this in the first service because I believe it was the Lord. We need some young people to go into the meta world and be an evangelist avatar. How about that? How about have a church on the meta world? Wouldn't that be cool ministry? Yeah, you could say people all over the world that are there pretending to be somebody else. I don't know what your broom tree is. Maybe you work too much and you don't want to go home. Maybe you have a success issue and you're trying to measure. I I don't know what your broom tree is, but listen, we all have them. We all have them. We all have a broom tree. I'm thinking about making a T-shirt that says, I have a broom tree. (laughs) God gives Elijah a mental health plan, and there's five steps. I want to just jump right into this, so kind of take notes. And it says this before we do, this last part in red in the back of your summer note guide. This is Elijah. This is what he says. I have had enough. How many can honestly say, come on, that you have said those words before? I've had, that's it? If you, come on, if you have kids, you've said that. (laughs) You might have said it last night. You might have said, getting ready to go to church, trying to get everybody ready for church on time. I've had enough. When my mom said that, all the kids would spread and go (laughs) high. I've had enough. That's Elijah. And so God meets him. And the first step we see is the broom tree step to victory. Watch this. It's personal love. As he lay down and slept under a broom tree, watch this. Suddenly an angel touched him. Listen, God could have, please hear this, God could have said, Elijah, like Job's friends, what are you doing here? What's wrong with you, boy? Didn't I invest a lot in you? You shouldn't be doing this. Where's your faith? He didn't do that. Look what he did. He sends an angel. And do you know that there are spiritual angels, but God can use you as an angel, a messenger in somebody else's life? There's a calling today for you to help somebody else in need. So true. Now watch this. Watch this. The angel, what did he do? He touched him. He touched him. Listen, there's a pastor across the street from us. Pastor John. Pentecostal pastor. Well, we talk stories. I'm from a Baptist background. He's Pentecostal. And and, uh, we talk stories. And I didn't know how to comfort him because for weeks, you know, his wife had died. And and, and it's hard. You know, what do you say? You, You feel awkward and... And I'm a pastor, and I still feel awkward. Like, what can you say to encourage somebody? I gave him a flower arrangement that Brenda thought about, and it was good because she is compassionate for those that are hurting. And so I gave him the flower, he liked that. But this is what he said. Ready? Come on. What spiritual thing did he say? He said, hug me. I went, hug me. Sometimes, listen, God knows, he, listen, he loves you. Sometimes we just have to be touched. Just touched. And so I'm sure it's okay because we, we're friends, but if I can just touch you sometimes. And COVID says, don't touch. Distance yourself. And, and, and so the enemy is using that to keep us from receiving the love and the encouragement. I'm not saying COVID's not real. I had COVID. I'm just saying we've come to a place now where we're afraid, and and that's where Elijah was. Listen, you might just be open to having somebody you know and trust to be able to touch you. He touched, and not only did they touch it was very practical. They had food, water, cake, and he did this not just once but twice. You know, Elijah said, okay, thank you. I'm going to go back to sleep and die. But the angel came in second. How I many people are so glad that God gives us second chances? Boy, I tell you what, if, I, if there's anything about my life, I'm, I'm, I'm the champion of thank you, God, for second chances. Because I've messed up. I've been like Peter. I've, I've goofed up. i put the feet in my mouth. And I've, I've done it all wrong sometimes. But God is a God of grace and second chances. And so in the second chance, he sends the angel and touches him. And guess what? He gets energy. Now look at the next part. This is the step two that we're going to get to. It says this. There's a journey that you've got to take. The second part is in First Kings 19.8 is this. Physical movement. This is so practical. The nurses were amazed at this. My son, who's here today, went to Conrad High School in Delaware, which is one of the top schools in the nation for medical arts. He was going to be a physical therapist until he went to Regent. he's graduated, he's going to get to and do investment, make money, because I think there's more money in that than physical therapy, but anyway, <laughs> he was in physical therapy, and I remember going to Wilmington Hospital with him, and we would look at all these people, and he actually did an internship there, and he had one guy that was on a motorcycle, and he fell and took off his leg, and he had to, you know, deal with the patient, the anger, and and, and on the back of the, the motorcycle was his wife, and she lost her leg, and so he's trying to deal with both of them. So he's getting a full dose of all this. But I asked somebody, I said, they were hopping around, and they going oh, in and pain. And, and they said, well, what's wrong with him? Well, he just had hip surgery. Well, what are you doing? Shouldn't he be in bed? They said, no, because very soon after the surgery, they want to exercise. I said, why would you put the people through pain like that? This is the answer. Listen to the spiritual application. We have to go where the wound was so the scar tissue doesn't get hard and then you can't walk ever again. Then a little bit of pain is going to stretch that area out so that it becomes normal, so that you'll have mobility after this. And God is saying that to Elijah. We're going to have to get up and walk. Listen, God could have ministered right there in the broom tree. Why would he say, you've got to go 40 days to Mount Horeb, to Mount Sinai? Why would you do that? What's God saying? You've got to get up and move. If you get discouraged, depressed, and if you get so sedate that you're just in a chair, and you grow yourself into the chair, you might not be able to get out of that chair. You've got to move. Got to move. Toby Mac had a song about moving, even in your pain. And so I began to realize I got to do something. I got to get up because when I went through some stuff, it was easy to just be under the broom tree, just stay back, say, God, you know. But if you start to own that identity, then you're done. He says, move, move, get up and move. What does that mean? It means go for a walk, enjoy some sunshine, listen to the birds. It means... Go to the mall now. Be careful, ladies and men. If you you know don't don't take out some of your depression with the you know plastic cards, but go to the mall. Walk. Do something. Go out. Ride a bike. Do something. God was speaking to me about how to help people. Remember, it started with the naked guy. I'm like, Lord, how do I help people? I've not been to school. And he shows me 1 Kings 19. And he's going to help a miracle. He's going to help victory for Elijah, who was one of the greatest men. And the first step is what? Personal touch, personal love. What's the second step? A little exercise. Get up and move. Get up and move. God made us body, soul, and spirit. He knows what we need. Now look at the third one. The third one is just as amazing. The presence of God stepped to victory. The presence of God. Now watch this. And it says this, that he went into a cave and spent the night there. And the word Lord came to him. Now let me ask this question. He goes 40 days and nights to get to a cave. Why would he have to do that? This cave at Mount Sinai, I want you to get this. This is kind of incredible. This place, Mount Sinai, was a place that God moved. How many people know there are places that he still moves? Now, you can have God's presence whenever you get this word, and you open it up, and you can have a presence in, in your little place where you have devotionals. I've had some anointed moments where it was amazing. I've had it with my wife, where the peace of God comes. It's presence. We were singing one day on the beach in Hilton Head and just beginning to praise God. And I don't know if you remember that, sweetheart, but there was just, was that, am I telling the truth? Just wave so they know. I'm not embarrassed to see. Okay, you can <laughs> I was like, oh, we're having church right here in Hillman. The moon was out, the sea was. So that can happen anywhere, but God still has places where he stirs water. Mount Sinai, what was that? The burning bush of Moses. Mount Sinai, what was that? Moses took the children of Israel all the way through the wilderness to get there to receive the word of the law. The fire was on fire, the fire of the mountain. The mountain shook, remember, with smoke, and he was on the mountain. And now Elijah is on this mountain receiving a word. So what does that mean? It means God wants you to get up and move and go to a place of encounter. Go to a place. and Listen, if you're watching online, sometimes church can become entertainment instead of encounter. Come on, is that Okay. I'm not, I'm not fussing. I still watch online, and, and I watch Bobby because I can't get here very often. But you have to be careful. And watch what it says here. Watch this. The word of the Lord came to him, and he said this to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? The first thing I do is a counselor. I've done it all over the world. First thing I ask somebody is this what are you doing here? What is it you're wanting? What do you need? What are you doing here? It's my first line. Jesus is the wonderful, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father. And he's saying to Elijah, watch this in the step. He's saying, I'm a counselor now. I'm going to put a different hat on. He's going to say, Elijah, Elijah, what are you doing here? We could have had this talk under the broom tree, but I had you get up and exercise. I had you come to this mountain where I move because I want you to know that I'm speaking to you. This is solid. What are you doing here? This is what Elijah said. Now watch this. This is the counseling. You, in a minute, you're going to go to the next slide. He said, oh, I've been very... Go back one. I'm sorry. Oh, it's right there. All right, okay. He said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant. Sounds like America. Torn down your altars. Sounds like America. Killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Now, you're all counselors, just for a moment. I'm Elijah. You ask me, What are you doing here, Elijah? You help say that. I say to you, I'm the only one left. The ministry of a failure. What's your first inclination? See, watch this. Listen to me. Look, look up here. Splinters. I mean, did you ever get a splinter? And it gets in your skin. You can't get it out. Need help? Splinters. My mother-in-law recently was doing some rose work with rose bushes. Got a splinter, a thorn. Had to go to the doctor to get it out. Because it was infecting. She could, it was deep. It's a hassle that goes to somebody to do that, but th- she wanted it out. Counselors help get emotional splinters out. How many of you could be honest enough to say, I've had an emotional splinter before? <laughs> now, if you didn't say yes to that, I guarantee you if you go out of this parking lot on the way to eat today, and somebody cuts you off in traffic... I guarantee you there's going to be a reaction. That's caused from some kind of splinter. We all have them. And this, listen, this is what he said. I've done all this stuff. What's this splinter? God does this. This is the most amazing thing. I understood for the first time, 1 Kings 19. In a moment, I'll tell I understood it. I I got it. God says this as a counselor. He hears him, and then he says this. Come here. I want you to go to the front of the cave, and I want you to watch something. Mm -hmm. Right? So he goes to the cave. What does he see? God's not in this, but God's going to move. Have you ever been out in a water, maybe fishing or something, and a boat moves and there's a wake? And then a bigger boat comes by and a bigger wake? I was in the United States Navy, and the, the boat I was on, the ship, the USS Simon Lake, was a tender, almost as big as an aircraft carrier. They would leave a big wake. God is moving, and He leaves a wake. Rocks start falling. There's an earthquake. I mean, he's just moving in the wake. He said this, God's not in the wake. It's just God moving, but it's causing a wake. There's fire that follows him. the purity and the power of God, the refining power. And and, and then what else? The wind blows. So here Elijah is. God's saying, okay, he just heard the question. What are you doing here? He says, it's all about me. I'm a failure. Nothing's good. Woo-hoo-hoo. And God says, okay, I'm going to show you something. This is what he shows them. I'm more powerful than Jezebel. Oh, you got to get that. I'm more powerful than what you're facing. I'm more powerful than your difficulties. I'm eternal. I am sovereign. I'm on the throne. I have authority. I have power. I'm the God that when he walks, the earth quakes. I'm the God that when I walk, there's a fire that consumes everything. I am a mighty God. And you're afraid of Jezebel? Here's the problem. You're serving my cause, but you're not serving me. I made that mistake for years. Because if I serve God's cause, then it's all up to me to perform. And when it's not good, then I have to own it. I used to be a pastor of a church of about three to 400, and I used to get so discouraged. I mean, that's a good number. And most churches are under 100, but I felt so defeated because Joel Osteen had like a gazillion people on TV. I didn't have Joel teen's curly hair and smile, and I didn't have his way to be encouraging, and, and so I, to, according to that, I'm like Elijah. I'm like, Lord, I'm a failure. The little church that Brenda went to most of her life was out in Franklin, and how many people know you can smell Franklin before you can see Franklin? <laughs> it's that paper mill out there, and that little pastor would struggle with the same thing, and but it was a country church, y'all, and God called him to go to the country. He could have been a big-time pastor, but he was happy to love 30 people. So he said, we get it all messed up. Success, bigness, greatness, this, that, this. Look at me. Look at me. Look, I'm doing the cause of Christ. Look at me. Look at me. And, and he's in that trap, and he's failing, so he wants to die. He wants to commit suicide because he thinks it's a failure. But God says, if you serve me and not my cause, then I will do the results. And the only thing that we need to hear him say is, well done, good and faithful servant. It doesn't matter if I'm a church pastor of 30 people. It doesn't matter if I'm a church pastor of 300 or 3,000. It doesn't matter what you're doing. If you're faithful with what God gave you to do, and you're serving him and doing it, Colossians says this, and whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. Do you see the difference now? It was subtle, but a lot of us get that. We have this religious list that I got to do this and got to do that, and I got to put my praise on and do this and have happy face and, and, and all this stuff for the cause. And, and Martha was there doing the same thing, getting ready for Jesus. And what did she do? Don't you know, Lord, that I'm doing all this work in Mary? Mary's not doing a thing. What was Mary doing? It wasn't the cause of Christ, she was at his feet. She was at his feet. God is calling us in this generation for this moment to lay down the false responsibility, to begin to breathe in his presence, to begin to just love him for who he is and to let him take care of the results of my life. I don't know how my life will end, but it's in his hands. I don't know what success is in the world, but if I'm faithful, that's all I need to know. And that should be the same for you. And so in the presence of God, this step to victory, he's healed. Go to the next one quickly. The counseling step, we saw that. He was healed and, and got words, and then go to the next one. The new mission step was the last step. It's purpose discovered. And listen to this. You can be healed of something, but if there's a void until something is replaced in that void, it's not fully satisfied. Does that make sense? And so here, the Bible says in Psalm 139, listen to me, Psalm 139 says this, that our lives are a book. Did you know that each one of you have a book? I have, in heaven, there's a book, the book, of, the book of Bill. You have a book. And in that book, Psalm 139, you look it up, in your book of your life, there are high points, low points, failures. Discouragements like Elijah. But the good news is, we get a new chapter. And he's saying this He's saying to Elijah, I'm going to send you on a new mission, a new journey. There's a new chapter. This chapter that you just went through with Jezebel, I got it. Let's shut that chapter. We're going to write a new chapter now. I love that. I love that. That in God, all things are new. That you have a new start, a new hope. Did you know, listen to this, did you know that you can go 40 days without food? That you can go four days without water? That you can go four minutes, four minutes without air? But you can't go four seconds without hope. And there's so many people that are struggling with hope and despair and discouragement. They don't see the world like it used to be. It's not the same world I grew up in. And yet God says, listen, there's hope. There's a mission. There's a new chapter. You've got to be willing to take the page, flip it over, and say, God, that chapter's done. There's a new chapter. And this is his chapter. It says this. Then the Lord said to him, what does it say, church? Look at your neighbor. Tell him. What does it say? Come on. To go. go. He says, return the way to the wilderness of Damascus. Watch this. When you arrive, go anoint the king of Syria, and then anoint the king of Israel, and then go anoint a prophet. And by the way, there's 7,000 people that haven't bowed the knee. You're not the only one doing this thing. You're not alone. What do you think? You're that proud of yourself? And in this place, God healed one of the greatest men of God in the Bible, and his greatest healing can be yours today. Go to the last slide. The last slide. Elijah's greatest victory can be your greatest victory. How many people believe that God healed Elijah through those steps? Amen. Come on, how many people believe that? Come on. Amen. Do I have to preach it a second time? <laughs> Say, no, Jesus, we got to get to the buffet. Listen, I want you to know that if God healed Elijah, who was a man after our own hearts, guess what? He can do the same with us. There's, there are five steps. Let me see if you got them before we close in a minute. What was the first step to healing? Personal love. Connect with people. Love them. If you're depressed, be willing to go hug somebody like Pastor John across the street. What was the second one? Physical movement, get up and do something. The third one, of presence of God. Fourth one, new get, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get counseling, new perspective. And then the last one, new yeah, new mission, new purpose. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask you to do something as we close. God, I believe, wants to revitalize those of you that I've been there, have struggled, you're struggling with depression. You've gotten some help with God's word, but now I'm asking for God to touch hearts. If you guys could start the music in the back. And now I'm going to ask those that are on the altar ministry team to just come forward just quickly. Other pastors, other ministers, just come forward. And this is what I want you to do. I don't want you to counsel. Just turn the music up a little bit louder. Yeah, a little bit more. This is a healing place right now. Elijah, under a broom tree, ready to give up. He just needed somebody to touch him. I'm going to release these altar ministry workers and pastors, just to go and begin all over this room. Just begin to touch. No prophetic words. No count. Just hug. Tears flow. That's good. And here's a little step that you can take. If you really need to know that God knows where you are and you really need to know that He cares. If you really need to know that, just raise your hand. Let them see you. Just being all of it. Just begin to raise your hand. Say, just, I just need a touch from God. Now just go, guys. Just go and begin to minister. There's hands raised in the back. Try to get to everybody. And if you're sitting by somebody, don't wait for them to come and hug you. They might miss it because of the crowd. Many people are raising their hands. Praise God. But listen, with permission, ask them if you could touch them. Just say, is it okay if I touch you? And just take your hand and touch their shoulder. Go ahead, just do it with somebody. All around the room. Just receive now in the name of Jesus. Father, this is a house of healing. Lord, you touched Elijah and you brought him back from a place of discouragement, defeat, and death. God, I ask that in this moment right now, this would be a turning point for some people that, Lord, you would release them from the change of depression in the name of Jesus. Lord, I ask that you would touch and minister to broken hearts. Show them you're greater and that you care. And just continue just to minister. Just look around ministers. And and if you're a, a pew partner, just keep your hand there and just quietly pat them let them know you love them in Jesus name thank you Jesus
0: just be patient here for a couple more minutes while ministry is going on throughout the sanctuary can be praying for those that are receiving it thank you Jesus thank you Father Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Let me bless you this morning. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I just bless you with the strength of God this week to accomplish everything that He has for you. I bless you with strength of God in your parenting, strength of God in your marriage, your strength of God in your significant relationships, strength of God on the workplace and in the classroom that God will give you strength to walk out everything that He's called you to walk out. May the peace of God that passes all understanding, may it be a guard about your heart and mind this week. May the joy of the Lord be your strength And may he be the lifter of your head. God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful week.